You're listening to a sermon from Grace Church, located in Frisco, Texas. Get to know Grace Church better by visiting our website at www.gracechurchfrisco.org. Today's speaker is Pastor Craig Cabanis. Welcome this morning. If we've not met before, my name is Craig, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're new here, you've dropped in on a, a different service for us. Uh, because this is what we call family worship service. Uh, we do it on fifth Sundays, which that would be four times a year. And what we do is we keep the, uh, all the kids in, uh, the whole service, if they're kindergarten through fifth grade. We don't offer children's ministry. And we normally just teach what is in the next passage. Sometimes we address something specific. But today we're going to be in Ephesians 6. We're going through the book of Ephesians because this is a passage very, very relevant for them. Before I jump into the text, uh, let me uh, ask a favor and ask for prayer. Those might be the same things. Uh, but first of all, here's the, the favor I want to ask you for. Uh, we recently, like last night, uh, had a uh, public comment uh, of concern uh, about our church made uh, about our parking. And obviously, we're uh, among neighbors and all kinds of folks here. And uh, it was just someone who lives over here in the townhomes across the street. So these are apartments. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the townhomes. And they have parking places in front of their homes. And um, someone evidently, uh, speaking of a mom with kids, uh, had their child and couldn't park and deliver their groceries with their kid and had to park a long distance and uh, walk. And so uh, they were just making a comment about that. So uh, we, we want to be sensitive to our neighbors. We want to be good neighbors. You legally can park in front of the house across here. Those are public parking spaces. Uh, however, what is legal and what is loving are not always the best things. And we want to be a neighbor proclaiming the gospel and not the, the neighbors who, uh, you know, uh, make people with children walk long distances to get their groceries in the house. So at any rate, can I just ask that we seek to be a good, loving neighbor um, and that we just take a little bit of an extra walk and give those spaces to them. If you need particular help getting in the building or something like that, let us know and we'll, we'll uh, come up with a solution uh, for you. So we can park all around here, all in the back. The parking garage is ours, all up here. But I don't know how many places it is, eight, six, I don't know what it is. But on the other side of this street, if we could leave those, that would be great. And we could be a, an aroma of Christ and perhaps not a, a stench to our neighbors. That's for Sunday mornings and uh, Wednesday nights when we have a lot of cars there. We have groups in here all the time. We can't control who parks in what public spaces uh, throughout the week. But if we, we can do that on Sunday mornings. I would ask for that. Uh, secondly, I want to ask for prayer. And uh, that is because a small team of us leave Tuesday uh, to go to Cameroon, Africa. So here's where Cameroon is. Uh, it's Africa, Cameroon there in red, right next to Nigeria. We have some Nigerians uh, in our church. I don't think we have any Cameroonian members in our church, but we do have a, a couple from our church that are doing Bible translation among the Bakum people uh, in Cameroon. And uh, so what uh, Dave and Stacy here, many of you know them, so what they do, they're with a group of uh, Bible translators that live in villages among unreached people uh, in Cameroon, and uh, all of these missionaries come together once a year 
for a conference. I mean, many of them are isolated. They're around people where there is no gospel witness, and they get to come together for once a year to share stories and probably to do some business together, whatever they need to do, connect relationally, and also to be taught and fed and and encouraged. And so they've asked us to come and do that. And so um, uh, what that means is I'll be teaching uh, the, the missionaries with Caleb's help uh, throughout the week for about a week. Uh, we'll also be doing children's ministry for their kids. Uh, and then at the end of the week-long conference, some of the team will be going on to be with uh, Dave and Stacy and see their village, see their translation work a bit, uh, get a window into that. So we would pray that uh, really that we could be, it's a small group of us, but that we could be an encouragement to all these people who are seeking to bring the gospel to the unreached. Please pray for us, and here's a very specific one. On tomorrow morning, we all have to get a negative COVID test to get on a plane. So please pray that we're all negative, uh, and then pray coming back that we're all negative so we're not quarantining in some room somewhere in Cameroon for who knows how long. So please pray for that specifically, and then uh, that we could be able to be a blessing and refresh them. Okay. So we're in the book of Ephesians, that's where we've been, and we're going to stay there today. And um, this passage that we're going to look at today is about parents and children, and I'm going to talk specifically to children, what he says among children. And I know this message won't land equally on everybody, and so I want to make a comment about that, because we're in a section of Ephesians where Paul says the gospel changes all of our relationships, and here's some of those. And so we're teaching each of these relationships, and they don't all land on everybody equally. So he says, here's how the gospel affects your marriage. And so two weeks ago, we taught about marriage, and that didn't apply to everyone. Uh, He said, this is how gospel affects your work between employer and employee. We addressed that last week. That didn't include everyone. We saw a video this morning of Mahdi that wouldn't have included someone who works in the home. That was in a marketplace message. So today, uh, we're going to read a passage about parents and children. I'm going to do the children part. Next week, uh, Rob will teach to parents about the parent part. And the reason I wanted to identify this is because the church, we're not a conglomeration of special interests. We're a family. And when one group of us, workers, married people, kids, when one group of us is taught and grows and matures, the whole family of Grace Church, the whole entity benefits. So we all grow as a united people when some of us are addressed from the Scripture. And what you're going to find in this passage is that if you have a living parent, I don't care how old you are here, If you have a living parent, there's a claim on your life from this text today uh, as well. So let me read the text, and then we will jump into it. And uh, a lot of the comments will be for uh, young people in the room. So this is God's word to us. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So if you've been in Grace Kids and you haven't been in here or you're new, let me say a couple of words about this letter. Paul is writing to a group of Christians at a church in a city called Ephesus. And there's not a lot of Christians in this city. 
and he's telling them how Jesus makes a difference in our lives and how we're supposed to live among people that don't know him and among one another in the church. So here's what he does. The first half of the letter is all about what God has done for us. Then the second half of the letter is based on Jesus' death and resurrection and all that God has done for us, here's how we are now supposed to live. And the section we're in now, he's addressing, here's how your relationships are different now that Jesus is in your life. So if Christ is in your life, you will relate to people differently and here's what it's like in marriage, in work, with parents, with kids, all these various relationships. And so I want to start with giving the first idea from the passage. If we can put the text up. I didn't mention this, but uh, I'm going to keep the text up if we don't have other slides. So sorry I didn't didn't get that message to you, Rob, but we can relate on the fly because you're just so smooth. Thanks. There we go. Uh, Okay. First thing I want to look at is the first word. He says, he's writing this letter and Paul says, children. That means he's talking to young people. Uh, he's talking to people who are under their, live in their home, their parents' home, under their parents' authority. Um, and here he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Here's the, here's the first idea I want you to get, is that the Bible speaks to children directly. Now, all the Bible is for everybody, regardless of your age. But there are times when the Bible says, this is God's mission for you in your stage or your calling of life. So this is God's calling. That's a big word, but it's his mission. It's his purpose. This is what God's plan is for you if you're a young person. Now, you received a bunch of um, papers to take notes and circle words and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we're going to be giving some of those so you can tally them up how many times we say certain words. We've already said one of them. Ephesus, but uh, look in there and see what they all are, and you can uh, track along, kids, with what I'm doing, or students as well, older kids, you can do this as well. But the Bible speaks to children about their calling and mission, and this is very unusual 2,000 years ago when this letter was written. 2,000 years ago when this letter was written, uh, people had what they called household codes. It was a list of house rules. So the people in Ephesus, they all had that. They all had a household rules. How do you live in your house with others? Paul is doing what they do. He's writing household rules, but they're totally different. They're rules for people that know Jesus, and it changes everything. So the normal household rules, if you lived in Ephesus and you had these posted on your wall, they were all written to one person, the pater familias. That was the family father. And in that culture, he had all the power. He could get tired of the wife, boom, she's out of there. He, he could get upset with his kids, and he could get rid of them. This guy could sell his kids, literally. And so with no penalty from the law. And so all of the household codes were written to the husband, father, the boss of the servants, And he had all the power. And Paul is saying, that may be the way the world is, but that's not how God is. God loves kids. And God says children are important. And God says that children can know Jesus at a young age and have a calling and a mission. So when we look at how the household lives, God says, children, I've got a message for you. You, once you accept Christ, believe in Christ as your Savior, you are a meaningful part of his mission. You are part of his church. Well, what does he say to children? 
Obey your parents in the Lord. And so here's the big idea of the passage. The big idea of the passage is the way you respond to your parents or how you respond to your parents is how you respond to Jesus. How you respond to your parents is how you respond to Jesus. Look at the text. There it is. How you respond to your parents is how you respond to God. Now let's look at the text again. He says to them, he says, obey your parents in the Lord. It could be translated as to the Lord. So what he's saying is you, as you obey your parents, you are obeying the Lord. When you disobey your parents, and this is hard news, right? Hard to hear. You are disobeying the Lord. Let me say something to middle school and high schoolers here today. Here's the reality of this passage, is that as you obey and honor your parents, you're obeying and honoring the Lord. And your relationship with Christ is never better than your relationship with your parents is. Your relationship with Christ is never better than your relationship with your parents is. Now, following Jesus means a whole lot more than just obeying and honoring your parents, as important that is. It means a whole lot more, but that is a central part of it. You can never honor God with your life and at the same time live a life that dishonors your parents. Um, Why is that? Well, look at the phrase, obey your parents. Not someone else's parents, your parents. Who gave you your parents? God gave you your parents. So whether you were adopted into your family or whether you were born in your family, into your family, it does not matter. God decides who your parents are. And you are to obey your parents. It implies that why are they your parents? Well, they're your parents because they are given to you by God. They are a gift from God. So how you treat God's gift is how you treat him. Now, they're not a perfect gift, your parents. Uh, They're like me as a parent. They make a lot of mistakes. They sin. You have sinful parents. They are weak. They don't know everything. So parents are not perfect. We all have flaws. But they are given by God to you to love you and care for you and to lead you to know Jesus, ultimately. That's why he gave them, so that they could point you to Christ. Let me share with you, listen to me, boys and girls, and middle and high schoolers. Here is one of the greatest proofs that your parents are a gift. You're sitting here in this room today. You're sitting here in this room today. Look what your parents are called to do. Look, see where it says number four? That's verse four at the bottom. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, Uh, Next week, we'll talk to your parents about that. But (laughs) you want to be here early, mom and dad. Uh, But bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So parents are to bring their kids up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And your parents care about that. And so they brought you here today. Do you know that most of the kids in this city, most of the kids in this city will not be sitting and hearing about the good news of Jesus today? Maybe because their parents don't know Christ. But your parents know Christ, and they brought you here today. That is a huge gift. You may not have wanted to come. I get that. I didn't always want to go to church as a kid. I totally get that. You may not have wanted to be here, but your parents did everything that was necessary 
to get you here because they want you to know the Lord. You are so blessed by that reality. Now, the way you respond to God's gift, your parents, the way you respond to your parents is the way you respond to God. So how should you respond to your parents? Well, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. So there's two things we're going to talk about, obeying parents, and number two, honoring parents. Obeying parents and honoring parents. This first section will be about uh, obeying. That means that you are under your parents' authority. Honoring will apply to you as well, but it will apply to a broader group of people. It'll apply to your parents if their parents are alive. Obey your parents as to the Lord. In the Lord, it could be as to the Lord. Because here's the deal. When you obey your parents, it's the same thing as you obeying the Lord. Uh, All my kids are grown, so I have grandkids, but all my kids are grown. But when they were younger and we would leave them with a babysitter, here's something we would often do we would often sort of transfer authority, I'd call it that. We would explain to our kids that now we're leaving, which doesn't mean all heck can break loose, uh, but it, it means that there's a new authority in the room and that as they respond to the babysitter is the same way they respond to us. So we'd say, hey, mom and dad are going to go out for dinner or whatever it is, and the babysitter here is in charge. And the way you respond to the babysitter is the same way you should respond to mom and dad. So when the babysitter says it's time to go to bed, if you do that with a joyful heart, that's just like you responded to mom and dad. If you kick the babysitter in the shins, then that's just like you basically kicked mom and dad. It's like you kicked your mama in the shins. It's the same thing. So As you respond to the babysitter, you're responding to the Lord. So the same way with us. God has given us parents. As you respond to your parents is how you're responding to the Lord. They're not a babysitter, but they're a delegated authority from God. And by the way, adults, we have delegated authority in our lives from God. Last week we talked about that we're to do our work for the Lord not just our boss, but for the Lord, that we are ultimately to have him in view and that how we respond to a supervisor, our boss at work, is how we're responding to the Lord as well. I think it's helpful to think about uh, obeying. What does that mean? I think it's helpful to think about a yield sign. Um, Look at this. We have a yield sign. Maybe you've seen this when you're driving. Maybe you're a teenager here and you're a new driver do you know what this means? I hope so. Uh, maybe I should be saying that to the adults in the room. Do we know what this means? Um, if you see this sign, what it means is that there's other cars coming and you can't just go. You have to give way to the cars on the road and then when there's space, you can go. But you don't just get to go, I want to go. It's my turn. I'm going now. Because if you do that, it's not going to go well. There's going to be a crash. So you give way to the drivers that are already there until it's clear for you to go. And that's a lot like what obedience to the Lord, or in this case to the parents, which is obeying the Lord, is. It's giving way. It's submitting our way or giving up our way to their instruction. It's, It's yielding our heart to their instruction. And this applies to every one of us. We yield to the Lord. But I'm talking to the children, so it's obeying, yielding from our heart to 
the Lord. It's not just an ex- doing a, something on the outside. It's acting from our heart because we are called to yield to the Lord. So you can be obeying on the outside, uh, but riled up and disobeying on the inside. Or you can be obeying with a, a, a heart that's mad. And that's not yielding our heart to the Lord. I mean, your, your, your parents could tell you to clean your room. And you could wait for them to ask a second time and a third time and hope they forget, maybe, you know. Um, or you can, when they say to do it, you can go with shoulders slumped like this, stomping into the room, huffing and puffing, get into your room, slam your book on your desk, Making your bed, push the headboard up, banging against the wall, knocking pictures off. And your room might be clean at the end, but would anybody be saying, I yielded my heart to Jesus in obeying? See, it's, it's almost like Jesus told you to clean your room. It's really not almost, it is. That's what's happening. Look at this verse in Colossians. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. So if your parents, I just gave that example, said clean your room, to do so with yielding to your parents, whether you wanted to do that or not right then, yielding to your parents is pleasing the Lord. It's a yielding to him. The Lord is pleased, honored. You're loving him. You're acknowledging him when you do that. Honoring, obeying our parents is like obeying the Lord. It's like Jesus was there saying, clean your room. And Jesus can see our hearts. Our parents can't always see our hearts. But the Lord knows, am I responding with a yielded heart? This is hard. This is hard. And we need the Lord's help. And if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, that's where we start. We say, I can't do what God tells me to do. That's because I'm a sinner, and I need to ask the Lord to forgive my sin and believe that Jesus died for my sin and rose again. And when I believe in Christ, I receive new life, and he gives us power to little by little change and grow and become more obedient in our hearts and to us as adults as well, to yield our hearts more and more to him. Now, I don't know about all the teenagers in the room, but when I was a teenager, I always looked for an exception. I still do. So the question is, is it really everything? I'm going to go on a small rabbit trail. Is it really everything? Children obey your parents in everything? I mean, what if my dad, we already saw a verse that my dad might exasperate me. It's possible. So what if my dad yelled at me to clean my room? Do I have to in everything obey my parents? Well, there is a principle in the Bible uh, that would say, you don't have to obey your parents if they ask you to do something immoral or illegal. If your parents hand you a gun and say, go rob a bank, you may say no. Uh, and here's the biblical principle on that. It's in Acts. In Acts chapter 5, uh, Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. So uh, they were told they could not preach. And they said, I'm sorry, we will respect authority but if it's, if it's a choice between God wants me to do this, then I have to obey him. Now, if your parents brought you here today, 
uh, you will probably never encounter in your whole life that exception, that they will tell you to do something that is dishonoring to the Lord. It's wrong. It's sinful. If your parents command you to sin, that's probably not happening if they brought you here today. But I have encountered people where it did happen. Uh, I remember one time I was, um, many years ago, counseling a 16-year-old who had just come to Christ, loved the Lord, and he came from a family whose tradition was to bow before a statue, to burn incense, to recite prayers to the idol, and to worship this idol on his knees, actually bowed down before the idol. They did it as a family. And so he asked me, do I have to do that? I don't feel good about doing that. And so I tried to help him think, how can you make an appeal? How can you be humble? Can you ask your parents, can I just sit in the back and observe? Let's really talk this through and try to come up with a solution. But at the end of the day, uh, you cannot worship an idol. You worship the Lord and however that comes. That's like one time in the last 40 years I've had that conversation. But in case you're wondering, really everything? For you, probably yes. But on the rare occasion you're asked to sin, then you obey the Lord. And that that applies uh, in marriage. That applies in your work. That applies uh, wherever we are. Okay, we not only obey them, but we honor them. That's the second thing. Here, Paul, if we go back to the text, Paul quotes the Ten Commandments. See where the number two is? Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Honor your father and mother is the fifth command of the Ten Commandments. And so he's talking here about um, going back and honoring the commandment. The word honor means this. It means to value or to show high regard for, or here's a big word, to revere to be actually reverent toward. It means to value and show high regard for. Now, let me talk to the adults a minute. I'm thinking about this commandment a lot right now. Um, My mom uh, is with the Lord, but my dad is still living. He's 87, and over the past few months, his his, uh, uh, his, uh, uh, health is failing. And so he's immobile now. He needs constant care. Um, he, he's, having, he's declining mentally as dementia. Uh, he lives in Houston. So I am thinking about what does honoring look like at this stage of life? How do I honor my dad with my presence, with my encouragement? Uh, how do I honor my dad in his cl- closing years or maybe closing months of his life? And so I'm trying to call him every day and other things. That what can I do? Visit what am I to do? So if you're an adult in the room and have a living parent, this verse applies to you. It doesn't just say honor your father and mother till you're 18, but honor your father and mother, whether they're a Christian or not. My dad's not a Christian. So whether they're a Christian or not, whether they were a good parent or not, um, whether you feel like it or not, what does it look like for all of us to honor our parents? Uh, I, I know in American culture, that a place where honor is lacking, many cultures have an honor culture kind of built in. It's not that people always honor um, others from their heart, but they do externally at least. But one, that's not our culture. Uh, in our American culture, one of the places where I, I think we see honor often lacking is in our teenage years. And I want to speak a minute, if you're in middle school or high school, I want to speak to you. I'm not going to jump on you or pounce on you or something like that. I really want to help you <clears throat> because many of the adults in the room right now wish they had to do it over, wish they could do it over again, their teenage years. Many adults in this room wish they had a do-over 
on ages 13 to 20, for sure, or whatever years. For sure, we wish somebody got an amen. I haven't gotten an amen the whole sermon until I said that. Uh, wish we had a do-over, okay? And, and it's really difficult in this stage of life. And here's why it's difficult, because you are approaching adulthood and independence, and you feel that and you want that. And, and there's something good about that. But, but you're also, at times, not looking to your parents. You're just looking to yourself and your peers to figure things out. And it's hard for your parents because they don't know how much, how much lane to give you for takeoff, you know, or ramp to give you for takeoff. They want to launch you into the world, but they don't know how much freedom to give you. And so they're trying to figure it out, and you're trying to figure it out. And it's very hard because you're at a time in life where you're trying to figure out life. You're trying to make your own decisions, and uh, about your life, what you believe about God, what kind of person you're going to be, what you're going to do as an adult. You're starting to make those decisions. And um, so it's vital that you honor your parents in the process. And let me tell you one primary way you can honor your parents. And it may be one you're not thinking of, but it's huge. You can pursue your parents and you can seek their input in your life. It's totally countercultural. It is not what's happening. There's no TikTok videos recommending this that I've seen. I haven't seen a lot. I've seen some. But uh, I don't think this is a big theme in your youth culture. But it is pursuing them because as you ask their input, their advice, God will bless you. He's provided them. They don't know everything. And, uh, but, but he's provided them as a means to help you. And so let me ask you, you've got Christian parents, if they're here, probably they're Christian. Um, How are you receiving your parents' input and advice into your life? Some of us at this stage of life, we're just kind of casual. Okay, I'm not going to talk back, I'm not going to argue, but whatever. They just say, okay, I'll, I'll take that into consideration, mom and dad. Among all the input I'm getting, I'll consider it. Some of us are just casual. Some of us are doubtful. And here's what you doubt. You doubt that your parents really could give you good input at at 16 or whatever it is because they don't understand your world. You think this. They do not understand. They cannot relate. They don't know what I'm going through. I'm going to say something that's shocking. But your parents were once teenagers. It's shocking, but it is true. And so they know what it is to mess up. They know what it is to be discouraged. They know what it is to be anxious. They know what it is to have awkward, difficult moments. They know what it is to feel pressure, to conform. They know these things. And you say, well, their life may have been different. Well, it may have been different. They may not get everything about life today, but they understand, and God's given them to you because they've already walked through this. This may shock you, but actually, I was a teenager uh, once, And my wife was a teenager once, and we were actually teenagers together. And here's proof of that. I have proof to show you. Uh, There we are. You said, oh, the first service uproariously laughed. So uh, now let me say a few things about do as I say, not as I do. Uh, This photo was taken at a church camp. And uh, so, first of all, don't sit like this. We weren't even dating. Uh, so, you know, that's concerning. Uh, at this point, we were later, but don't sit this close. Always leave room for the Holy Spirit right in between. And so, that's a problem. 
And secondly, if you're a dude, don't ever go to a church camp wearing Daisy Dukes for your shorts. These shorts are illegal in half of the countries in the world today. And I, I am sorry to scar the children in the room uh, by you having to see that much leg. It's, it's vulgar and it's disgusting, and I apologize. And talking about getting counsel, where was I? Why wasn't I saying to my mom and dad, do you think it's a good idea for me to wear hot pants to the youth camp or whatever? They're called something else now, but I'm not going to say that word. Uh, so should I have worn that? You know, so maybe I needed some counsel. So yeah, and we also have more, more hair, right, there <laughs> than, than is, but at any rate, um, your parents and we were kids once and know all the difficulties of life, and God has provided them. We can go back to the Bible now, uh, and I apologize. So don't be casual or doubtful, but pursuing asking what they think. Draw them in. You know, this is what the Bible says a lot about. Look at the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 6.20 says this, my son, keep your father's commandment. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them around your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will talk with you. You. It's saying that when your parents teach you, and you have parents that will teach you from God's Word and bring you here to hear from God's Word as well, send you to the square, we hear, we hear God's Word from them directly and from other uh, people in the church that are saying the same thing. When you hear the Word of God, it is with you forever. Listen, I can still remember things my Christian mom taught me about Jesus. I still hear her voice in my head today. It, embrace it. And, and you will be wise. And as you honor the wisdom given you from your parents, you're honoring the Lord. Don't be independent. Look what Proverbs 12 says. Proverbs 12 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man, a wise person, a wise teenager listens to advice. He, he goes on here and he says that this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. Do you see what he says? He's saying that there is a blessing attached to honoring, receiving, thanking your parents, being grateful for them, embracing their counsel, not casually, but actively looking for it. That's a way to honor them. So it will go well with you in the land. The Ten Commandments were given to Israel right when they came into the land. And what God was saying is, if you're a society where children respect authority and teenagers respect authority, it's going to go well with you and the land, you'll be in the land a long time. Well, they weren't in the land forever. They got expelled from the land because they rebelled against God, that nation that Israel did in the Old Testament. But this is the promise. So I don't think we read it as a guarantee that if you're an obedient young person, you'll live to be 90. That's not a guarantee. If someone dies at 30, it doesn't mean they were a uh, rebellious teenager or something like that at all. It's a general observation about life, that if you embrace God-given authority and how you treat your parents is how you treat the Lord, it will go well for you. And you want to know why? Because you live under authority your whole life. Last week, we talked to people about how to relate to your boss. The reason that learning how to embrace authority at a young age, it will go well with you, is because you will have authorities 
in your life forever. And we told your parents last week, how you relate to your boss is how you relate to the Lord. And there's plenty of adults that aren't doing well in the land, aren't doing well in their jobs, can't get along with those who supervise them and haven't been able to in the last three jobs they had because when they were kids, they never met Jesus. They never understood that how I relate to authority is how I'm relating to the Lord. They never embraced the power of God to help them obey and honor authority and build that as a pattern into their life at a young age. But you have an opportunity to build that as a pattern in your life today, and you are setting yourself up I know if you're young, if you're five years old listening to this, you're thinking, what's he talking about? Can we see the picture again? Okay, if you're, but, but if you're a teenager, you're going to get this. It's setting you up for a fruitful marriage. It's setting you up for a fruitful career, a successful career. I don't know, I'm not talking about a lot of money. I'm talking about a career that is full of meaning and joy where you're a blessing to others because you've learned how to relate to authority. We're all under authority. We're under civil government authority. We're under our boss's authority. Uh, We're we're under all kinds of authority. And the sooner we recognize that God has delegated authority, and as we honor him, uh, authority, we are honoring God, the better off we will be. And final thought, this is one of the most powerful witnesses possible. We look different as a church if we as a church relate to the authority around us uh, in a godly way. We look different as a church, as a witness to people who don't know Jesus. It's an example that Jesus is alive if young people are responding to their parents and obeying and honoring them because that's not happening in the culture. If we, in all of our life, in our marriages, in our work, wherever we are, if we are being a blessing to others, It is an example that Christ is alive. Okay, so I'm going to give you an assignment. We're done. Kids, I want you to ask your parents this question, and we'll have a parent, we'll have a question for the parents next week, okay? Parents will get homework next week, but here's your homework assignment. Ask your parents, how am I doing at obeying and honoring? Can you give me a grade? A plus through F minus. What's my grade right now? And how, <laughs> how can I raise my grade? Uh, how can I, no extra credit assignments, how can I honor the Lord? What would that look like? And will you pray for me and help me do that? Will you pray for me and help me do that? And we'll have a question, as I said, something for the parents to ask the kids next week. But today, ask your parents, how am I doing? And how can I grow? And will you help me? And will you pray for me. The book of Ephesians says that the purpose of the universe is God is bringing all things together in Christ. Heaven and earth are going to join in Christ. And what he's doing right now is he's bringing parents and children together in Christ to point to him, the Savior that changes our lives. We fail at this. We're broken at this. Every parent fails. Every kid fails. I get it. But let's set our, set our vision high and ask for God to help us for his glory and for the good of the world. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church. To receive future messages, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or listen online by visiting our website at gracechurchfrisco.org.